to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. Some people have impressive spiritual gifts and abilities. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. Are those gifts a first-class ticket into the kingdom of heaven? What does the Father really expect from us? Let's talk about it. If you didn't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Understanding and believing the Torah gives context to the rest of the Bible. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, or wherever you hear your favorite podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And a big shalom to our listeners in India and Idaho. Listen out for Red Pill Torah on a radio station near you. At the time of this recording, the weekly Torah portion is about Balak and Balaam, the prophet. Their story is covered between Bamidbar, or Numbers, chapters 22 through 25. We discussed it in our Red Pill Torah podcast episode 97, titled Prophet for Sale. Please read their story in the Bible and check out our podcast episode 97. That's a good one, Daddy. Yeah, it is. I remember you bringing up the practice of prophets organizing lines for payment in exchange for a personal prophecy. Over the years, we've seen that happen from time to time. On the positive side, it is good that believers have faith in the prophetic gifts that are in operation today, as the scriptures say they are. Yeah, I know what you mean, Mama. A strong belief in Yeshua and His goodness, and a strong desire to improve one's situation for the better, are really powerful motivators, but still, I'm sure that there are many prophets who will have a lot to answer for when they stand before Yeshua. We've mentioned what he said in Matthew chapter 7 a few times. Let's look at Yeshua's words again. Okay. That scripture is part of the famous Sermon on the Mount. I'll start reading from Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. That should establish the right context. It says, Beware of false prophets. They come to you wearing sheep's clothing, but underneath they are hungry wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Can people pick grapes from thorn bushes? or figs from thistles. Likewise, every healthy tree produces good fruit, but poor trees produce bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, or a poor tree, good fruit. Any tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you will recognize them by their fruit. So the context of this reading is recognizing or discerning false prophets from good prophets. Okay. Yeshua gives us what to look for, and I notice that it isn't what we used to talk about regarding prophets. You know, back in the day, we talked about how anointed the prophets were, and I think that meant that we were impressed with their passionate delivery, their charismatic or spiritual actions, and their effect on other people, many of whom they didn't seem to know. Not to mention, when people acknowledged that the prophets said things about them that were true, even though they didn't know each other, that was really awe-inspiring. Also, it made me want to live right. Now, I sure didn't want to have any secret sins that the prophet could tell in front of the congregation. When they called you out, you didn't dare refuse them. Tim, I think you got over that. Okay. I'm not saying that you don't believe in the gift of prophecy. I know you do. I've always seen you express concern, however, for the order in services. The word and spirit of Elohim gives us discernment 
to look past the charisma and actions of people involved. Yeshua mentioned the fruit that they bring forth. By that, we understand him to be talking about the results of their lives and ministry. Galatians chapter 5 lists the fruits of the Spirit. They include love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Even the most powerful charismatic presentation that doesn't show these fruits of the Ruach should give us reason to be concerned. You know, I was reading a commentary on the Gospels written by an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. Now, this rabbi, named Eliyah Zvi Soloveitchik, wasn't trying to attack the Gospels with ancient Jewish wisdom. He was identifying common ground between the Gospels and Jewish theology. Now, in his comments on this part of Matthew chapter 7, he was clearly familiar with assessing the fruit that a person produces. His take is a little different than ours. Teacher Soloveitchik identifies fruit as the actions of people who learn from a particular teacher. So if the Talmudim or students embraced some wrong teaching or doctrine, their beliefs showed that the teacher wasn't a good one. Soloveitchik specifically focused on the belief in one Elohim in his examples. He recognized that Yeshua's teachings were pointing to the Father, not to himself as the primary object of worship. That's really interesting, Daddy. An Orthodox rabbi reads the Gospel and notices that Yeshua, while claiming to be the son of Elohim, taught a doctrine that pointed everyone to Jehovah Elohim. Compare that to many Christian theologians over the years who present the Father as an angry God who makes commandments we couldn't follow, and Yeshua, the merciful God, who comes to obey the commandments for us, so now we follow him. How does a rabbi get this right while Christian, seminary-trained theologians get it twisted? Daddy, what does Philippians 2 say about this? Well, starting at uh, verse 5, let your attitude towards one another be governed by your being in union with the Messiah, Yeshua. Though he was in the form of Elohim, he did not regard equality with Elohim as something to be possessed by force. On the contrary, he emptied himself in that he took the form of a slave by becoming like human beings are. And when he appeared as a human being, he humbled himself still more by becoming obedient even to death, death on a cross as a criminal. Mm. And that's why Elohim raised him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that in honor of the name given to Yeshua, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai, or Lord, to the glory of Elohim the Father. Mama, we can spend a lot of episodes on this scripture. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to Matthew 7 for more on the prophets. We should come back to this in a future podcast, as Elohim may allow. It sounds good, Daddy. Uh, let's pick up reading from Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Now, these are the words of the one who was given a name above every name. He has authority to judge every person and situation, and he will do just that in the day that is coming. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, only those who do what my Father in heaven wants. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we expel demons in your name? 
Didn't we perform many miracles in your name? Then I will tell them to their faces. I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. Hmm. Now, if you missed it, we talked about lawlessness in our podcast, episode 148, titled, What is Lawlessness? I think we established that Yeshua wasn't talking about bad driving or jaywalking or littering or other instances of breaking local laws. He was talking about the law found in the Torah, Mm -hmm. God's instructions. Now, when we think about people who prophesy, who cast out demons and do other miraculous works in the name of Yeshua, it seems hard to understand how they could be rejected by Yeshua himself. As a younger man, I looked at the awe-inspiring actions of these powerful spiritual people, and I would think these people must be really close to God, like on a first-name basis or something. They must pray a lot to be charged up with such impressive power. After all, these are not things that we might expect just any old person to be able to do. How could an actual prophet, though, be rejected by Yeshua? The Apostle Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, acknowledged that possibility in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Reading from verse 25, he said, Not every athlete in training submits himself to strict discipline, and he does it to just win a laurel wreath that will soon wither away. But we do it to win a crown that will last forever. That's why I don't run aimlessly, but straight for the finish line. I don't shadow box, but try to make every punch count. I treat my body hard and make it my slave so that, after proclaiming the good news to others, I myself will not be disqualified. If the Apostle Paul worked so hard, so he wouldn't be disqualified, in his words, what does that mean for us? Remember the words of Yeshua. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do what my Father in heaven wants. So what exactly does Yeshua's Father in heaven, our Heavenly Father, want us to do? Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 has an answer. It says, So now, Israel, all that Yehovah your Elohim asks from you is to fear Yehovah your Elohim, follow all his ways, love him and serve Yehovah your Elohim with all your heart and all your being, to obey for your own good the mitzvot and regulations of Yehovah, which I'm giving you today. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 13 and 14 says it another way. It says, Here is the final conclusion. Now that you have heard everything, fear Elohim, keep his mitzvot or his commandments. This is what being human is all about. For Elohim will bring to judgment everything we do, including every secret, whether good or bad. Speaking of prophets, the prophet Micah had something to say about it as well. In chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, he wrote, My people, just remember what Balak, the king of Moab, had planned, what Bilam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened between Shittim and Gilgal, so that you will understand the salvation of Jehovah. With what can I come before Jehovah? to bow down before Elohim on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves in their first year? Would Jehovah take delight in thousands of rams with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Could I give my firstborn to pay for my crimes, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? 
Human being, you have already been told what is good, what Yehovah demands of you, no more than to act justly, love grace, and walk in purity with your Elohim. Miss, we know that what the prophet Micah mentioned is all contained in the mitzvah team, or the commandments of Elohim. So even prophets and people who do mighty works in the name of Yeshua are expected to obey the law and instructions of Elohim. Their amazing deeds don't exempt them from doing what the Father wants. Mm. With that in mind, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and assume that because people are impressed with your spirituality, Yeshua is impressed? Or would you take the red pill and, above all, be sure to do what our Father in Heaven wants you to do, so Yeshua will open the door and let you in because He knows you? Only you can answer that question. Balaam was a Gentile prophet who actually did hear from Elohim. His problem was that he did not obey Elohim's instructions. And that didn't work well for him, and it won't work well for us. We are praying for you, asking Elohim to fill you with the knowledge of His will and all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you will live lives worthy of the Lord and entirely pleasing to Him, being fruitful in every good work and multiplying in the full knowledge of Elohim. Our prayer is found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Read over the scriptures we shared and apply them to your life. Share Red Pill Tour with a friend. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Tour where you can handle the truth.